Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to a new episode of Alika Hope and Change. I am Alika Hope. And I am her um, second older brother, Emil, also known as Change. But today, on this fine February wintry day, I am also Change because it's cold out there. It's cold out there. Changes. I wonder about Chia. Take me back. Take me back to the. Take me back to watching KPTV Channel Twelve in Portland, and and you know I watched entirely too much television growing up, and that commercial is burned in the brain. There was a Chia pet. There was a Chia animal, and then there was the Chia Afro. Do you remember? Yes. Yes. And <laughs> how awful was that, that that was a thing? Well, you know, it's, it's the Chia is, is an honor of the Afro. Okay. No. Yeah. That was a thing. Never mind. I was trying to like make it a positive, <laughs> but I don't know. I just want to say Chia. Okay. I wish um, you, you messed me all up with that though. I also want to say for our listeners out there that Jamie McDonald, who is our producer and audio engineer, will be popping in saying random things from time to time because I realize like he's just so cool. He has deep things to say. So if you hear a third voice come in sometimes, just know that that's Jamie. That is not the voice of God giving his opinion on what we're going to talk about today, even though Jamie is a God. Where am I going with this, Emil? Where, where you were intending to go was that uh, the yeah. two of us are having a lot of fun and Jamie adds even more depth and color to the conversation. So he's yes. welcome. Whereas a lot of times our producers and engineers are silent. Our producer and engineer has not only a ridiculous skill set, but a ridiculously smooth voice and a great ridiculous. perspective on the events we talk about. So he's welcome to join us at any time. Although I have to say for today's topic, email, today's topic is the films that changed us, romantic comedies versus science fiction. I feel a little uh, dis, what, disproportionate, out of balance, because you and Jamie are both like science fiction people. And so I'm going to have to hold my own. But that's okay. I got this. I got this. So today we're going to be talking about romantic comedies versus science fiction. And this topic stemmed from the fact that I am Emil's sister. I am. But I don't like science fiction very much. There's a couple, there's a couple subgenres I like, but pretty much I live for romantic comedies. Yes, those really hokey ones where girl meets boy or sometimes girl meets girl and they fall in love, then they break up, then they get back together and everybody goes off happy. Those are my kind of movies. In in, in <laughs> movie speak, you like the meet cute. Meet cute. Yeah. So tell me that. So, one. Oh man, so this is the device that gets the two romantic leads to meet in some uh, sentimental or awe creating that moment where you go, Oh my God, or Oh, right. That Mm -hmm. moment is called the meet cute. So it's some, it's some plot device, some cute way that they meet. And it actually has a name in Hollywood called the meet cute. 
And I was laughing because, you know, one of my one of the projects I'm working on, I hope to one day turn into a movie. So I'm learning just a little tiny bit. Shout out to my daughter, who's actually a movie maker. Shout um, out Nyasha. Nyasha out in L.A. Um, and our cousin Tony, who's also a movie maker. Ooh-hoo. And um, but I'm learning this language. And in romantic comedies, you know, sometimes it's a ridiculous plot plot moment where hey, the now, watch two it. leads meet. Ridiculously you know, cute moment. Uh-huh. That was a nice face. T- because <laughs> I could say about how ridiculous science fiction is, but go ahead, keep going. Mm-hmm. Ridiculous moment. Meet oh, cute. Mm-hmm. Oh, I mean, we're not gonna we're not gonna talk about ridiculous because uh, the the point of science fiction, the point of oh, science boy. fiction, is to take what you think might happen mm-hmm. and extend it into the future where it is a certainty it did happen. So you have all these different movies that talk about the future. Some of them have been very prescient. Take, for instance, something like uh, A a Space Odyssey 2001, right? A lot of what you see in that movie, which, you know, from Stanley Kubrick, was, is like what we see today. A a near-sentient computer. We're seeing artificial intelligence today. You're seeing, um, you know, Elon Musk and NASA working on getting to Mars. Recently, we had the Perseverance lander land on Mars. That is right out of 2001. Like this stuff is that's what makes it ridiculous, but also good is that it's actually stuff that is kind of prescient. I can't Mm. say that for romantic comedies. Uh, 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 You can't say that for romantic comedy? I'm... Tell me a romantic comedy that predicted the future. I'm waiting. Okay. Here we go. I'm here. It's called Jungle Fever. Jungle Fever. Let's talk about Jungle Fever. Because when I was little and Jungle Fever came out, people Uh started talking about I was a product of Jungle Fever. Okay? I'm just going to throw it out there. And Ah. here's how some change came about. That that movie was out and people's eyes were open to what was happening and how different... backgrounds and and people interacted with each other and there were some stereotypes in that as there always is because that's part of what you know spike lee kind of takes advantage of to get messages across right that movie i think changed had incorporated some dialogue people started like talking about you know um interracial i'm putting that in quotes but interracial dating um people would actually started asking me questions about like well what's it like to have a white mom and a black dad and to this day the song i got jungle fever she's got jungle fever oh yeah um regardless of how i felt like no i don't i'm not from a jungle yes Uh but but it was written by stevie so that would be an example (laughs) of a romance that actually has had profound effects and to this day you could watch that and you could pull out quite a few things that are still pertinent in this day and age and there's other things too like one of my favorite movies is Bridget Jones's Diary I love it I've seen all of them and there's all of these stereotypes about like what does it mean to be a woman in her 30s who isn't married who doesn't have kids who's working who's like all these different things and so I think where romantic movies may not romantic comedies they may not like project into the future in the same way that I love the word prescience, by the way, the same way that science fiction movies do romantic comedies often are a um, conversation on society that can have Uh, ripple effects and create societal change down the road. Boom. You know, I stand corrected Uh, rather than it being a, a, a movie like that being a, a glimpse into the future. It is more like a snapshot of the present 
Yes. Um, and maybe it's more controversial or maybe it's more obscure. Many of the romantic comedies, especially we've seen lately, have really explored different types of relationships. Um, mm-hmm. They've just, you know, different, different um, family structures outside of the mm-hmm. typical traditional nuclear family. And all of these beautiful uh, permutations of hum- human relationships have been explored in these movies. And it sort of opens the door to a, a conversation about, hey, what is it like to be a human being when things don't look like what they traditionally look like? I think that might be, in many ways, just as profound as a technological advance shown in a movie from science and, fiction. And that's very powerful, what you just said about the today and also the way that observing today, right, helps people to think about how can we make tomorrow better in terms of relationships, platonic or romantic. And so it's a commentary on today, but it also is a commentary on like there's certain movies people have watched and as a group they've been like, I don't like this. This is what's going on. We're going to make a change. And so you just got me thinking about a movie that combines science fiction with romance. Do either of you, Jamie, or Emil, have any idea of a really famous movie I'm thinking about that combines science fiction and romantic comedy? Oh, that's a The one. Fifth Element. Oh, that's a good one. I didn't that think of that one. Fantastic <gasps> choice. Mm-hmm. That is excellent. Not the one Lilo I'm thinking Lilo Dallas Multipass. I love that. That's why I love that one, because it has all the romantic stuff in it. That's one science fiction I always liked, Jamie. The original. What's that? The original Fifth Element. The remake I didn't like as much. What remake? What are you talking what, about? What remake? The remake that I better Google when we're about to go on our break. Um, okay, so I thought there was a remake, and we'll be right back with that information. Bye. Interlude music by Lawrence V. White. Listeners, and I have to give you a profound apology because there is no remake of The Fifth Element. And that just shows you all how little I know about science fiction, <laughs> even the ones that I really like. <laughs> but but there but there are a couple of classic science fiction movies you may have gotten confused with. So I'm gonna pull your fanny out of the fire by offering you a fire. suggestion okay. that might help you, right? So a long time ago, uh, and <laughs> Jamie knows this movie probably because it's such a classic, but um, it came from outer space. Okay. Um, and it, let me see if I can let me th- let me think through the name. It it, was that name. was that a, was that a Disney production? No, no, no. It was uh, it, the remake starred Keanu Reeves. <gasps> Oh, 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 oh. The no, day no. the earth stood the still. The day the earth stood still. Yes. Yes. Right. Yes. yes. So so the the mm-hmm. the classic from nineteen fifty one. Klaatu. Klaatu, exactly. Yeah. The classic of nineteen fifty one, which was at in its time groundbreaking. Yeah. And then it was done several years later with okay. Keanu Reeves in the starring role. Um, same name. And uh, there's there's I would say it this way. In 1951, the Cold War was so prominent in our minds that our science fiction took on this 
it molded how we saw the future and how we saw our science and our fiction. Mm-hmm. Um, without that same mold from 1951, the remake just didn't have the same effect. Better effects, better, you know, cool graphics and mm. all that sort of stuff. But the difference was the times that created that movie were so vastly different in the 90s after the fall of the Soviet Union and um, and all the things that had happened uh, in terms of our culture that it just didn't resonate as a story the same way. They tried to go more toward the environmental versus the war, but it just didn't have that same resonance. And I think perhaps if I'm pulling mm. your fanny out of the fire on this, you may have <laughs> seen that remake, which came around the same time as The Fifth Element. I appreciate you being the big brother that you are and trying to pull me out of the fire, but I think I was just wrong. I appreciate that, though, because I really liked The Fifth Element, and for some reason, I thought that I had seen something about some remake, and I was so angry about it because it's one of those rare movies I actually really like that's science fiction. But I appreciate you pulling me out of the fire, and I could have been on this podcast lying and say, that was it, Emil, thank you, but, I, you know... I really hear try to be honest and a leak of hope and change. And because I am wrong so rarely, word, <laughs> I felt it was okay in this instance to admit that I was wrong because it doesn't happen very often. I mean, it's February 2021, and I have not been wrong since yesterday. So, um, <laughs> I appreciate you. No, seriously, I appreciate you. But wait, 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 Emil, Emil and Jamie, the movie I was thinking of, just so you know, here, here, yeah. I'm going to give you another clue. Go ahead. It has three parts. There's three of them. A romantic comedy mixed with science fiction that I've probably seen 20 times. And it starts with back and it ends with to the future. <laughs> you know what movie I'm talking about? Hold on. Wait, wait, hold on. Wait, wait, hold on. Wait. Would you consider that a romantic comedy? <laughs> well, no, a romantic no. mixed with science fiction. So because, yeah. you know, he's he falls in love with um, Michael J. Fox. Um, what's his name? Oh, my gosh. Marty. Marty falls Marty in love McFly, with the girl. Right. Marty McFly, right? And then he has to go back in time to save his parents from, like, disappearing, you know, and not getting married. So then he starts to disappear. And all of it's very science fiction-y. Mm-hmm. And then, but it's, there's, there's romance in every single one. I mean, then in, like, the third one, he's married to his high school sweetheart and the doofus guy the jock is actually the doofus and like all that stuff. So the nerd wins. <laughs> Not that I've watched them all like 50 times. What did I say? 20 times? Yeah. But I think that for me is like a good example of science fiction really blended with romance. Maybe not comedy. Well, there's a lot of comedy. In no, it. it's, de- oh, it's, it's definitely movie. comedy. It's definitely it's, it's hijinks. It's definitely, it's definitely has a little bit of everything, obviously, w- w- with the sci-fi wrapper around it. Right. You know? um, but yeah. I, I, I never thought of it that way, but yeah, that's true. Well, mm-hmm. I never thought of it that way till we started talking today, which is why having a podcast is so important because you have deep revelations like Back to the Future is a hybrid of many different genres. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, so, I can appreciate that, but I, okay. I'm going to I'm gonna, let, let's take a sideways glance, a sideways <laughs> glance on our topic today. Not because yes. not because we veered off topic, but because I want to include one more genre in this romantic comedy sci fi uh, because and I think you'll appreciate it, sis. Uh, mm-hmm. Let's go over to a wonderful adventure movie starring um, uh, Kathleen Turner. Harrison and- Ford. No. I know oh. where you're going. No. 
And you're Michael gonna, Douglas. You're going to say, I was going to say, you're going to say Michael Douglas. Oh, Romancing the Stone. There you go. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, that's right? a good one. That yes. is, that yes. is, and again, those two, especially in those movies yep. uh, that they made together, uh, sad, but incredibly dark and incredibly funny at the same time, War of the Roses, but Romancing mm-hmm. the Stone, I think they mm-hmm. hit their stride as a, as a leading, as a leading pair. And in that yes. movie, they had such fun and they had such chemistry and they made romance and they made adventure work in a way mm-hmm. that was funny and poignant. And, uh, you know, that's a great popcorn movie. If, if you've never seen it, uh, our audience, please go download, DVD it, uh, Netflix VHS. it, wherever it is, VHS it. Um, <laughs> I'm going to head to Blockbuster now. I'm going to head to Blockbuster now. Yeah. See, see, this is why. Yeah. This is why we cannot have nice things. (laughs) (laughs) We had nice things. I love Blockbuster. We have have this wonderful internet service that -hmm. allows us access to thousands, if not millions, of movies and shows. And yet, I get a joke on Blockbuster. And I have a Blockbuster card here near me. Go ahead. Keep going. No, seriously. Who has a Blockbuster card? I do. I got to find it. It's right here. I say Why? Why? Because it was a very integral part of my life living in New York City all those years, walking to Blockbuster all the time to watch movies in my little like 200 square foot apartment. <laughs> it's deep. So I've kept it. I've kept it all these years. Uh, you know what? Um, what? Blockbuster, it, it, side note, we, we do this often. Blockbuster had a chance <clears throat> to buy Netflix when Netflix was struggling and needed cash and Blockbuster was like, we don't need you. We're Blockbuster. Oh my gosh. So they got Blockbuster. No, seriously. Netflix was starving for cash. They thought they were going to go under. So they were looking for a suitor that would help rescue their operations. And they went to Blockbuster and said, hey, we have synergistic uh, business models. Let's work together. And Blockbuster thumbed their nose at them. And Netflix was like, well, we're going to survive anyway. And... The rest is history. And that's not a romantic story at all. No, that's kind of a science fiction because it was like previewing the prescient towards the future. (laughs) The ultimate rejection. The (laughs) ultimate. It's like it's like unrequited love Mm -hmm. and then revenge. Exactly. I want to tell you guys real quick, though, since you brought this up, um, I performed with Kathleen Turner a couple of years ago in New York City pre-COVID. Yeah, I remember. Um, I remember that. Yeah. And that was awesome. And mm-hmm. she loved my voice. And I remember that. And that made me happy and feel all fuzzy inside. That's all. That's my story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just wanted to share we'll, that. We'll take that, sis. Because, um, you know, you get a chance because you, you do cool things. You do really cool things. <laughs> I would love to see you in the lead of a romantic comedy. Well, my son has requested that I somehow get a role in a Marvel movie. So right now I'm trying to lose 20 pounds and get in some good cardio shape. So when COVID is like over, I can go audition for a, um, an action film and make him happy. Because, you know, like the 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 matriarch in uh, Black Panther, she was like, what, 80 when she got that role or something? So, yeah, my son's like, you can do it. You ain't 80. Thank you, son. Um it, yeah. it was Angela Bassett, and I cannot believe. No, no, you. no, not Angela Bassett. No, no, no. Oh, who, the woman the, who plays the 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 head head. Um, it was like her first major movie role, and she's like eighty years old. Oh, um, you know who I'm talking about? Yeah. Um, I forgot her name. No, no, no. People say that to me, Angela Bassett. I'm like, no, I know how old she is. Um, 
Google her, Emil. Let's let's today he's today's typing. episode is called <laughs> Google stuff about movies. But I, I, she's kind of inspiring to me, and I'm blanking on her name. And I just saw the movie again for the fifteenth time. Um, all right, so once again, we're going to take a break at this segment while Emil Google something, and we'll be right back. <laughs> by Lawrence V. White. We are back, and Emil has found the answer. Go ahead, Emil. So, um, although, you know, Angela Bassett was prominent in the movie as the mother of Black Panther, she was not the elder statesman of the movie itself. That would that role belonged to, she played uh, the elder of the merchant tribe in Wakanda. Her name was Dorothy Steele. She was born in 1926. Yes. And that made her how old when she had the role? She was at that time, 92 years old Mm -hmm. when that movie, when that movie premiered. So she was born in February of 1926. Black Mm -hmm. Panther was released in February of uh, 2018. So I mean, do 19 or 18, do the math. And you see, it's like, whoa, mm-hmm. 2018. So she was like 92 when that movie was yep. released. What a beautiful yep. birthday present she gave herself. Yes. And I think she didn't even start acting professionally until like 2015 or something. She had to be in her 80s when she started acting professionally. She was like 89 years old when she got her first mm-hmm. role. So she's my inspiration. And she should inspire a lot of people that it's never too late to have hope and to change. See how I suck that in there. Uh, but <laughs> <laughs> she- awesome. We need to get Dorothy Steele a romantic comedy. Ooh, that's what we need to There's, there's a meet cute. Mm-hmm. I would now, who, love to see. Mm-hmm. Michael Douglas is not that much younger than her. I mean, who would be the old? Oh no, no, no! You know who could be the her um her husband? Um, uh, Luke, I am your father. Why am I going blank? James Earl Jones. James Earl Jones, who is in his nineties. I was gonna say Morgan Freeman, but <laughs> but James Earl be- Jones is a good match. <laughs> I think that would be good because he he'd probably swallow her up. She's kind of tiny, but um, that would be a cool romantic comedy. So yeah. we put put that idea out there to all the listeners. So if Hollywood snaps that up, we want our ten percent for coming up with that idea. We'll each take three percent, okay? Um, here on Alika Hope and Change. So if you ever get James Earl Jones and Dorothy Steele into a romantic comedy about romance in your nineties, which hey, I know when I'm ninety, I'm gonna be like, I'm not gonna have no teeth, but I'm gonna be all about kissing up on my man. Okay. Uh, but, but- Look, Excuse you will me, have your moment. teeth because you're going to see the dentist, and we are <laughs> we keep our teeth in our family first and foremost. Um, and second, you're going to walk fine because we are healthy people into our older years. And third, yes, you will be quite the action hero or the romantic comedy lead in your elder in your elder golden years. So yeah, I'm with you okay. on all of that, but you're going to have to figure out what that looks like because what you just did, mm-hmm. that's not going to cut it. Thanks a lot. Okay. The no a lot teeth for that. sister? Nah. Mm-hmm. Nah. The nah. no teeth sister. Let's see. NTS. No teeth sisters. <laughs> oh my gosh. Instead of Charlie's Angels, it'll be the no teeth sisters. It'll be like action movie. Okay. Let me stop. So I'm going to tell you guys my favorite romantic comedy of the past few years, hands down, is Crazy Rich Asians. Oh my gosh. I love that movie so much. And it, and it is one actually that has a lot of societal. Uh, messaging in it, interwoven in it. And it's, um, I just love it. And there's all this nice fashion in it. Maybe that's why, but um, 
when I saw it, the first time I saw it, I was actually flying from like New York to California. And it was one of the ones that they had, you know, to watch. So I was like, what is this? I'm going to watch it. And I was like, I love this movie. Um, so that's a more recent one that I recommend um, people watch if they like romantic movies. Um, what about like a recent science fiction from you guys? Would you suggest? So I'm going to actually um, take it in a slightly different direction. There's a couple of classics that I think have, okay. they sort of define the genre in a way that people haven't seen before. Uh, mm -hmm. If they don't know the history of science fiction, you know, you can go all the way back to 1921 and Metropolis, which kind of started all the, the science fiction genre. But um, I'm going to go back to a couple of just true classics. One, go back only a few years to Interstellar. Uh, that was mm -hmm. one of the best science fiction movies in the past, probably two or three decades. And then go back a little bit further than that to one called The Abyss, which has a lovely subtext of romantic tension between uh, the leads. And it's, it's a great science fiction movie. It's not scary. It's not gory. It's not, you know, it's tense, but in a good way, because the way it's done, it really gets your blood pumping, but it's not going to get you like, you know, nightmarish or anything like that, unless you're scared of being underwater or in confined places, because it's a movie about being underwater in confined spaces. And in confined places. <laughs> But there is Which is why I will never watch that movie. <laughs> oh boy, that's an episode. Jamie's fear of being underwater in confined places. Now, which yep. one is it that you're that that would throw you more off watching it? Is it the confined spaces or the underwater? Both. Or is it both? I don't both. mind confined spaces. Underwater for me. Uh -uh. <laughs> no oh. submarines. No, 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 no. Yeah, no, you don't want to watch. No. You don't want to watch the abyss. It is no. outstanding. Well, just highly, you know, well done movie making. And there is a lovely romantic subtext in it, but no, mm -hmm. don't, don't, don't torture and, yourself trying to watch it. And may, may I backtrack just a little bit to comment Please. on your Interstellar, which I've seen, which I, I really enjoy the movie. There is a romantic, not a comedy, but there is a romantic subplot in that movie as well. Truth. Um, that serves the story. I'm not sure how much I buy into it because it is such a science fiction. And it's not science fantasy. It's really science fiction. Um the the romantic subplot in that was like eh, doesn't really fit here, but hmm. it was a stretch. That's just my opinion. It was, it was definitely a stretch. A stretch. <laughs> it was a stretch. <laughs> it definitely it, was. You know, and and I think I think it was done to sort of placate the 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 powers that be more than it was something that was the you know the the pure vision of the director storyteller. Right. But it it, it worked. See, oh, that's interesting. Sis, one of the things that this episode allows us to do is sort of stretch into, you know, what movies can do for us. We talk about change and hope and the things that really give us a, a glimpse into the future or a snapshot of the present. But, right. but there's this other element that we we need to make sure we weave into this. And you hit it with Crazy Rich Asians. Mm -hmm. There is a picture on the screen of people who don't normally fit the roles that were so well done in Crazy Rich Asians. And so when you see these different genres of movies coming at you with characters that don't look like what we have often been used to or associate with those types of roles and those types of characters, it opens the palette. It opens the mind to a considerable way of seeing the world we live in now. And mm. this context is really cool because science fiction makes it easy. Some gadget or some vehicle or some, you know, some building. It's really easy to see that. And you go, well, that would be cool to have a phone that, you know, I could see 3D pictures on or a watch mm -hmm. that was also a, a communicator. That's like super simple to envision. 
it's harder when you see different types of people in roles that are not normally associated with that type of person. Maybe it's a, a strong black or female character in a role that would be considered more heroic, mm-hmm. or maybe it is Asians in a role where it the romantic leads would normally not look like them or not be mm-hmm. as wealthy as they were portrayed. Those kinds of representative moments are very important because they, imp- they inform our dreams. They allow us to see things differently. And that is part of why science fiction appeals to me is because I can see something that isn't seen now. And I think that your love of romantic comedies has that same power to maybe see something in the, in the snapshot of the present that maybe needs to be seen by more people to allow for and establish a different reality than what we have now. I agree 100%. And I was just thinking as you were talking, I would also love to see romantic leads that have autism or who, or who are autistic um, and, you know, romantic leads that um, have, you know, a limb that's not there or differing abilities, um, bringing in that because I think people still have this thought in their mind that if somebody is identified as having some kind of disability, that they're not capable of, you know, romantic love. And that's just BS. But I want to say something ending, speaking of BS, nice segue, Lika. I want to tell you a joke before we go. <laughs> well done. This sis. is how I do it. We get that all deep is, and then we just, you know. That's okay. called drifting in, in drifting. the automotive world. That's when you just take a car and go sideways with it. No, thank you very much. Um, well done. Thank you. So here's my question for you guys. What actor can jump higher than the Eiffel Tower? I do not know. All of them, because the Eiffel Tower can't jump. Ah! <laughs> Help me. All right. That is another episode of Alika Save Hope and Save me from my sister, please. <laughs> Where we talked today about the films that changed us, romantic comedy, science fiction, and oh, so much more. I'm Alika Hope. And I am her big brother, stunned into silence after this part of my sign-off change. Bye now.